The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, I am Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas. And ladies and gentlemen, France, the defending World Cup champions, are the first team to qualify for the knockout stage in the 2022 FIFA World Cup. How ironic is it that the defending champions are the first team to qualify for the knockout stage, but interestingly enough, the hosts, Qatar, were the first team to be officially eliminated from the tournament. What are the odds, ladies and gentlemen? The hosts are the first team eliminated, while the defending champs are the first team to qualify for the knockout stage. I mean, what are the odds indeed, and what an interesting World Cup this has been so far, and we have not seen anything yet. Now, as a proud French-American and a longtime strong supporter of the French national team, I am very thoroughly impressed that the French national team has been able to defend their title quite respectively so far. Now, there's definitely a lot of holes to fill for the French national team, as we saw in their game against Denmark, but France got the 2-1 win, but there was a lot of things that were certainly going wrong. I mean, number one, my boy Olivier Giroud had a, had a really, really bad day in the office. A really, really bad day. And once again, the disrespect, the hate, the criticism on the guy all over Twitter and all over social media, you know... Even my dad, you know, very, very critical. You know, my dad brings up, you know, this is why Kareem Benzema is the better guy, yada, yada, yada. Look, honestly, not having Kareem Benzema is already painful enough. I don't need to be reminded that he's not there. That's exactly what I told my dad, okay? And look, Olivier Giroud, obviously his career, you know, highlights are not on the same level as Kareem Benzema, but Olivier Giroud is, in my honest opinion, the most underrated French footballer in history. Olivier Giroud started at the bottom in the second tier of French soccer, worked his way up, won the French Ligue 1 in 2011 with Montpellier. That's how he got to Arsenal, where he achieved tremendous success, was with Chelsea, unfortunately was not blessed with with enough opportunities, but he did win the Champions League, and I'm happy for him. And four years ago, I still say this, even though he didn't score any goals in the World Cup, he still played a major role in France winning their first title in 20 years. Olivier Giroud has earned his respect. He deserves respect. And today, all I can say is that he just had a bad day in the office, and that happens. Karim Benzema has had bad days in the office, too. Thierry Henry had bad days in the office. Zinedine Zidane. The list goes on. 
the bottom line is Giroud is not perfect. He's not going to be perfect in every single game. Now, unfortunately, I was really, really hoping that in this game against Denmark, he would officially surpass Thierry Henry in becoming France's highest all-time leading scorer, but that will have to remain to be seen. It could very well happen in the next game against Tunisia. It may happen in the round of 16, either against Argentina or Poland, or maybe even Mexico. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be nervous as hell. I'm definitely going to be concerned, but we'll, have, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So, gaming at Denmark, you know, right from the beginning, I knew that Denmark was no way, shape, or form was just going to sit back and lay down for France. In the Nations League, Denmark swept France, beat France on the road in the, the Stade de France and beat them 2-0 at home. All right. So basically, in Denmark, for so long throughout their history, they've always been worthy opponents, you know, for the French national team. I mean, 20 years ago today, well, maybe not, yeah, not today, but about, well, yeah, that was definitely 20 years ago because I was in, in the summer. I mean, the World Cup right now is happening here in the fall. But 20 years ago, when Denmark beat France 2-0 and officially sent the defending champions home, pa packing home, you know, that was a, pr a pretty painful moment. You know, Denmark, honestly, Denmark always has that strong, unique potential in, be in being one a tournament's, you know, dark horse. You know, as a matter of fact, I should mention that 30 years ago, Fran uh, Denmark actually won their very, very first hardware when they won the 1992 European Championship. And what's interesting is that Denmark originally did not qualify for the 92 European Championship. They actually took the spot of the Yugoslavian team that was disqualified for political, uh, well, for political issues. I'm not sure exactly why Yugoslavia was disqualified, but I know that it was obviously had to do with politics. So, anyway... So Denmark has always had, you know, a, de a decent plethora of talent. You know, of course, there's Christian Eriksen right now on the Danish national team. Of course, the, the goalkeeper. So, you know, basically what I'm saying is, you know, Denmark, you know, earns, deserves respect. And of course, you know, the goalkeeper, Kasper Schmeichel, we all know, who, we all, know all about him. <laughs> oh, man, the veteran, been around for so long as Kasper Schmeichel. I mean, Kasper Schmeichel actually currently plays in France, you know, plays for Nice. You know, always been, he's always been a brilliant goalkeeper, so, man, oh, man, oh, man. So I knew that, you know, he was definitely going to make a, a couple of uh, huge, nice saves. You know, Casper Schmeichel, as you know, you know, long-time Leicester City guy, played with Leicester City from 2011 to, you know, to last year, and now he's playing in France, so, oh, boy. I mean, and, and this Danish team, when they made the Final Four, it, you know, last summer in the Euros, and, of course, we all, we all remember what happened, the, the cardiac arrest of Christian Eriksen, and, Denmark's, you know, still, you know, made it you know, as far as to the final four. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So Denmark could still basically very well make uh, quite uh, an impact. Now, Denmark did not get off to a good start when they, uh, when they actually had to settle for a scoreless draw against Tunisia in their opening game. But in this game, you know, losing to France 2-1, to one, that kind of really kind of pushes them back a little bit. You know, for right now, France has basically secured a um, qualification to the knockout stage, and a little bit later in this episode, we'll definitely uh, talk. We'll definitely, I'll definitely uh, kind of give my thoughts on whether or not the starters should play in the last game for France against Tunisia. But again, we'll get there. Uh, um, so, looking at this group right now, Group D, France is again basically on top of two wins. Australia actually picked up a win against Tunisia, so Australia is currently right now in second place. So, you know, and of course, uh, my good buddy, the fiercely opinionated Mr. Josh McSwain was talking to me throughout this match. And, you know, and of course, you know, my good buddy, Mr. Keith Teeter, you know, I, I told both those gentlemen that, you know, 
France needs to win. Now, a draw and a loss still would have made things okay, but I would say, no, 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 no. A loss is not good for France. A f- loss is, is just not good for France. It's not good for their pride, not good for their mentality. It's not going to be good in all forms of categories and all levels. The bottom line is there will be no positive outcome whatsoever if France ha- had, fa- had fallen to Denmark. Okay? Now, now, the way I see it, see, I spoke yesterday, <coughs> excuse me, how the United States and Iran are in a situation the, in, where the winner will uh, advance to the knockout stage. I see the same particular scenario with Denmark and Australia. So Denmark and Australia will actually be playing on the 30th. We'll be playing about three days from now, okay? They'll actually be playing on Wednesday, and I swear to God, it kind of feels like they've been, they've been, they're finished. So, But we'll have to wait and see as, as far as, uh, you know, that goes, but, you know, Denmark is obviously in a, in a bad spot because, you know, they're they're winless, but, you know, they've only lost one game. I mean, they drew their first game, so Denmark and Tunisia are basically third and fourth, respectively, with one point, with Australia with one win and one loss at three points, so, so the way I see it is like this, yeah, the winner between Australia and Denmark, the winner of that match finishes second or could finish first, you know, depending on how France does against uh, Tunisia, but... But realistically speaking, France is very likely to top the group at this point. And I think that the winner between Australia and Denmark qualifies for the knockout stage. And, you know, it very well could be Denmark, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Australia did bounce back, but Australia certainly had some major issues against France. But then again, you know, and, you know especially, you know, they beat Tunisia. Now, exactly how good Tunisia is, I'm not entirely sure. I honestly did not do my homework on Tunisia. But the fact that they qualify for the World Cup, you know, that actually kind of get tells you something that they should not be taken lightly. But, but honestly, right now, I think the way I see it, you know, it could be Australia, it could be Denmark. You know, honestly, the game between Australia and Denmark, the winner advances. It's honestly anybody's game. Now, on paper, Denmark has to be looked at as the heavy favorite on paper because of the talent. But Australia has a respectable amount of talent as well, so Australia cannot be overlooked. The Socceroos could, could very well pull off the upset. They could very well pull off an upset and eliminate Denmark and qualify for the round of 16 for the first time since 2006. So that remains to be seen. So now looking at the, <coughs> excuse me, the details between France and, uh, and Denmark, man. You know, go back to how Olivier Giroud had a bad day. It, it really is a shame. But, but I'm going to go ahead and focus on the, on the positive. You know, and killing Mbappe, man, scoring a, a beautiful brace. Oh, you know, honestly, you know, Mbappe, that dude, his speed, his charisma, the talent, the skills, everything all speaks for itself. And check this out. Scoring two goals today, Kylian Mbappe ties with Pele for the most FIFA World Cup goals scored by a, by a male player before turning 24 years old. Wow. And check this out. You know, now, th- now this change after uh, after Me- after Lionel Messi scored against Mexico, and I'll and I'll do an episode on that in a little bit. But you know, at first, you know, Kylian Mbappe equaled Lionel Messi's World Cup tally. You know, in goals like, except you know, Kylian Mbappe. See, uh, before the the final result against Mexico, Lionel Messi had seven World Cup goals in twenty games, but Kylian Mbappe scored seven goals in nine games. So the eleven game difference really tells the story. So, like, basically, so until it was changed because Lionel Messi scored a goal against Mexico, Kylian Mbappe had equalized Lionel Messi's World Cup goal tally, except in, in a difference of 11 games. So, <laughs> so now that's changed because now, now Messi's had eight goals in 21 games, but, you know, I'm pretty sure Kylian Mbappe can, can easily uh, 
take care of that, you know, further down the road in this tournament, but that remains to be seen. And check this out. France has won six consecutive games at the World Cup for the first time in their history. And they are the first side to do so in the tournaments in Spain in 2010. <laughs> Incredible, huh? And speaking of Kylian Mbappe, you know, scoring just seven World Cup goals at the age of 23. I mean, he is at 31 goals for the French national team. So with 31 goals for the French national team, Kylian Mbappe is officially tied with Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> now that, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. He's now tied with Zinedine Zidane with 31 goals, and he's only 23 years old. And ladies and gentlemen, my good friend and my mentor, Mr. Steve Adams, vowed that Kylian Mbappe is going to smash France's all-time leading scoring record like absolutely nothing. Not only is he going to smash it, but Kylian Mbappe is going to put that record up so high, it's probably going to be a century before another French player has any chance of breaking that goal. Uh, breaking that record. Who knows? Maybe that record could never ever be broken after that. So now that he's tied with Zinedine Zidane, Kylian Mbappe is tied for seventh in France's all-time scoring list. And he's at 31. And the record right now is 51. So he's basically catching up really quick. You know, 31 goals and 60 caps with the French national team. That's very, very good for Kylian Mbappe. But for now, I'm hoping Olivier Giroud breaks the record and he can hold it until Kylian Mbappe breaks it. Anyway... <clears throat> You know, the really interesting as well is that both goals by Bape were scored with an assist. Tio Hernandez provided the assist on the first one, while Antoine Griezmann provided the second assist. And what's interesting is that every single goal that France has scored so far in this tournament, they have all come with assists. In other words, France is brilliantly utilizing teamwork. They are doing a good job. But this particular game against Denmark... Seven shots on target and only two goals. Three big chances missed by France. Now, this is what Goal.com says. Now, Goal.com, I did, I did actually spot at least three. I'm sure I spotted uh, several other big chances missed, but Goal.com probably just sees them different. But whether it's a big chance or a regular chance or whatnot, the bottom line is France missed numerous gold, uh, gold opportunities to score goals. Now, they still got the job done, especially in the, in the crucial time because the first goal wasn't scored till the 61st minute. So France stayed focused and was resilient, so I'll give them that. But still, three big chances missed, that's unacceptable. That's not going to work in the knockout stage, so France has to get it together. They really have to get it together because it's soon. this is going to be it. You're the knockout stage. I mean, this is it. Either win, either win or you go home, okay? And France would love nothing more than to become the first team since, since the 1960s to successfully retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I mean, I should say the World Cup title, but I like to say, you know, technically the World Cup, you can call it the World, the world title. But anyway, you know, France was challenged big time. You know, only two shots on target for Denmark, and Denmark made one of them count. So, you know, so France, the French defense was certainly, you know, very iron rock solid, you know, but, you know, Denmark was honestly putting up, putting a hurt on the, on the French defense, but the French defense was able to, uh, was actually kind of able to, you know, to make it out, you know, 10 interceptions by the French defense, you know, 14 clearances, while the Danish defense had 19 clearances. So Denmark's defense was pretty rock solid as well. So a little bit similar to the game between England and the United States. I mean, this was truly a defensive rock solid effort. You know, and I give and I give a lot of credit to to, uh, to Denmark. I mean, Schmeichel, you know, Casper Schmeichel, you know, made a total of four saves. Igualise made one save. I mean, you know, Schmeichel. I mean, I'm telling you that one save. That one save, man, that he just pushed out, man. I mean, Casper Schmeichel just looked like an absolute stud. Four saves against a very dangerous French attack. 
And you go at least made one particular save, you know, and, and, say, and honestly, I kind of feel that, you know, when Denmark, you know, missed two huge goals like that, you know, one of them, you know, like that, that ended up being goal kicks, you know, I kind of feel like those were big chances for Denmark, but Goal.com doesn't see it like that, so... So Denmark missed their opportunities as well, and so did France. So both of these teams just really kind of battled tooth and nail, kind of had their you know their own you know set you know their own respective you know amount of opportunities to score goals, but a lot of times they just could not do it. When Denmark equalized, I mean, Andreas Christensen's goal was you know off of a, a header off of a corner. Oh man, such brilliant! I mean, originally the first Danish player you know doesn't get it, and the ball kind of goes like that, and. And Andreas Christensen was at the perfect place at the perfect time. So we can say whatever we want. You know, I, I can't say that that was bullshit. And no, that goal, Adri uh, um, Andreas Christensen's goal was legitimate. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I can be pissed off all I want. But hey, France did not clear the ball and uh, they, they paid the price. So. so that was it. So France briefly had the lead. And then seven minutes later, D Denmark equalized. And then, then we had it. We had the game. So. Uh, and you know, it, it really kind of hurt my, hurt me, you know, honestly, seeing Olivier Giroud be pulled out, you know, how he was. But, you know, again, the, the dude had a bad day in the office. But, you know, my dad, my dad basically kind of unleashed a tirade of criticism on the guy. And I, mean, and I, and I was really kind of almost losing my mind. I'm like, I, I just literally had to beg my dad to stop because I was losing it. Because, you know, again, you know, Giroud, uh, Giroud is, is, you know, a player I, I strongly admire, so... Anyway, so I'm, I forget exactly when Giroud uh, got out of the game. I believe it was it was definitely around the 60th minute or so. He was actually replaced, uh, I believe, by uh, Kingsley Coman. Unless uh, I'm thinking, unless I'm kind of uh, getting that wrong. But I actually got the notes right here, so let me go and double check. Yep, it was actually uh, it was in it was in the 62nd minute, and he was not replaced by uh, Kingsley Coman. Usman Dembele was replaced by Coman. Giroud was actually replaced in the 62nd minute. Uh, by Marcus Thuram, who, of course, is the son of legendary defender Lilian Thuram. So, uh, you know, as far as this game goes, I'm definitely uh, a little bit, you know, Eduardo Camavinga has yet to see any playing time. You know, my buddy for Stoppage Time FC, uh, Joe, uh, Joe uh, Mavor, who, I, by the way, I hope I finally got that correct because he told me how to pronounce it. So, Joe Mavor kind of reminded me, well, Alex, uh, Camavinga seems to be in the doghouse because of the Christopher and Cuckoo injury. Like, oh boy. But honestly, uh, I, I kind of see a, a little early hint about the game, about who will play against Tunisia. I think, let's be honest, I think Eduardo Camavinga should get the start against Tunisia. Let, let's let the guy play. I mean, yeah, let's let the guy play. But Chouameni played the entire time, and Aurelien Chouameni has actually been doing a decent job. So, you know, Ibrahim, Ibrahim Konate originally didn't get the start. Raphael Varane got the start, and Varane actually did, did well. And Varane, you know, got out in the game in the 75th minute and was replaced by Konate, and... Dembele was pulled out of there as well, and Dembele really has not been doing the best job, honestly, and, you know, my another guy with Stoppage Time FC, he's been on the show before, uh, Mr. Rod Angeles, you know, Rod Angeles, you know, insisted that, you know, it would be better off to actually keep Dembele on the bench, but I have to go, wait, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes, and then, and then Fafana came in, uh, Youssef Fafana, you know, came in, you know, in a stoppage time to, uh, relieve, uh, to take over for Antoine Griezmann, you know, I'm telling you, when I saw the ref, you know, when I saw that there was six minutes of injury time, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's going to be like the six, the, the six longest, the six longest minutes in longest six minutes ever. I mean, reminds me so much of the semifinal clash four years ago, France versus Belgium. You know, France, you know, was holding on to that one nothing lead, playing so 
Iron Rock solid defense. They prevent that dangerous Belgian attack from equalizing, you know, at the most crucial moment. So it kind of felt like that because that particular game had six minutes of injury time, you know, after 90 minutes. But but France, amazingly, was able to hold on. And so when France, you know, took the lead, they kind of, you know, it kind of basically increased the, the pressure on defense a little bit, you know, basically kind of playing heavier defense, but also kind of dribbling the ball around. You know, keeping the ball away from Hugo Lloris. So basically, so France was kind of like going around, kind of holding the lead. Not particularly parking the bus, sort of, sort of speak. I mean, France was still attempting to score goals, but but basically at this point, they were kind of just basically kind of, you know, evening it out like that, you know, t- trying to wear out, you know, trying to wear out Denmark and kind of like, you know, maintain control like that. So so France was still kind of playing away. They were still you know, trying to show, you know, trying to play in a way where they know that Denmark is, is, is not giving up, so... So, you know, so when France scored, when Mbappe scored that magnificent goal in the 86th minute, I mean, that assist by Antoine Griezmann, man. Oh, I mean, I mean, the way Mbappe scored, I mean, just jumped in the air. And then <laughs> Kasper Schmeichel never had a chance. I mean, Kasper Schmeichel, at the last second when he realized what Mbappe had done, it was, way, it was too little, too late. The damage had been done. Kasper Schmeichel never stood a chance. I mean, at this, po- at this point, I mean, the, da- the Danish defense just really got caught completely off guard. I mean, there was... I, sometimes, I, I the way I see it, I, I can honestly say, Denmark, there was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could do. Mbappe snuck through the back door. Antoine Griezmann saw him. And Antoine Griezmann knew that nobody that nobody, nobody was, gonna, was able to stop Mbappe. And then, boom. That was it. Oh, man. And, you know, the first goal of Mbappe scored was brilliant, but Mbappe just absolutely outdid himself with that second goal. I mean, that, that's what Mbappe does. You know, he always feels like he can do better when he gets a chance to score another goal. So, man, oh, man, oh, man. And and honestly, again, you know, major kudos to Denmark because Denmark challenged France big time. I mean, Denmark always challenges France. They will never lay down for France. Never. Never, ever, ever. I mean, Denmark just did not release, didn't even... Didn't even stop anything. Didn't never took their foot off the gas pedal. Like, e- even with like thirty seconds left, you know, before the referee blew the final whistle, Denmark was still playing as if they had all the time in the world. They were still playing as if you know they still felt like they had a chance. Like they were, they basically did not let up until the final whistle was blown. So Denmark, honestly, that's why I feel like Denmark is definitely they take care of business against Australia. But then again, I can't rule out Australia. But but you know, Denmark, you know, should take this with a grain of salt. I mean, at the same time, they are in a, in a bit of a pickle because you know. They've already suffered one draw and a loss, so you know they know that if they don't beat Australia, they're finished. And and Denmark, you know, honestly was was kind of basically favored, you know, as one uh, as the true dark horse of this tournament. So anyway, but you know, France got the job done. Now, there's definitely some things that a lot of things that France have to work on, but you know, honestly, France should be they really need need to get it together because you know based on what we saw in this one, they still look strong, but there's too many. The habit of missing the scoring opportunities is not gonna is not gonna do them any good if they don't if they don't address that particular situation. So, I mean, anyway, so, so, but still, France, you know, good job, you know, a, a major defensive effort, you know, still, you know, kept resilient, scored in the crucial moments, never gave up, scored that beautiful game-winning goal in, in the final in the final like in the final five minutes of the regulation before there was stoppage time. So, so France, you know, really did, you know, act resilient and, you know, they deserve some credit for it. And Denmark, you know, deserves a, a great amount of respect as well for their performance. So, you know, kudos to both teams and, you know, best of luck to Denmark, you know, against Australia and may the better best team win. And uh, as far as uh, France with Tunisia goes, so as far as the starters go, I, I would imagine that 
you know, I think Didi Deschamps kind of spoke about it, you know, because um, Gold.com said something about it. Honestly, I think that if Didi Deschamps were to rest, you know, majority of the starters, it would definitely be right. So he did say, and I quote, it brings peace. So that that mean that means that it's very likely that he's suggesting that this win could basically convince him to rest the starters against Tunisia, uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I would definitely I would love for Olivier Giroud to actually get the start so he can actually be able to score the goal and become France's all-time leading scorer. But honestly, because you know how, how stubborn I mean I like how the story says how stubborn Denmark was. I mean by stubborn is you know Denmark was just not letting up and they were doing what they were supposed to do so. So he's so France. So Didier Deschamps told uh, TF1. Uh, now I'm feeling nostalgia. Tele France, Tele, TF1. He said, and I quote: "For us, it's ideal. We have six points, so we are sure to qualify after two matches. We will appreciate that before the next game in four days. It brings peace, the assurance that we qualify." So, and basically, he kind of says we have a very high chance of finishing first because our because our goal difference is much better than Australia's. So we're in perfect position. So, so basically, and then he says, you know, the first objective is achieved. It's never easy. Of course it isn't. And, you know, of course, you know, he compliments the group. It's strong, solid. So, you know, like that, you always have to respect your opponents no matter how, who they are. So, so uh, well, the way I kind of see it right now, honestly, you know, all the injuries right now. So I think, honestly, this is the perfect time to rest the starters. I would say don't, don't, start, at, don't start Mbappe. Uh, I think Adrien Rabiot can sit this one out. Aurélien Chouameni, hmm. You know, honestly, I think, you, know, you see, based on, on the formation that France used, four defenders, two midfielders, three forwards, and a lone striker, I think you basically, you put, you keep Chouameni in, and, and then you, and Adrien Rabiot gets the, gets the, uh, the rest, and you, you put in Eduardo Camavinga, so you kind of see what uh, Chouameni and Camavinga can do together in international duty. You basically, yeah, you rest, well, I think you put in Dembele, you rest, uh, you definitely rest uh, Griezmann and, and, and Kylian Mbappe. Um, I think, you know, if, if uh, I think you start Kingsley Coman, you, you definitely start, I would say you start Marcus Duram King, and Kingsley Coman, so in, in, a, in a three like that, so yeah, you pull out Mbappe and Griezmann, I think you put in Marcus, you, you put, uh, well, Marcus Duram was put in the front by Giroud, so, so Marcus Duram, if Giroud, if Giroud doesn't start this game, I would say you put in Marcus Duram as the lone striker, and you rest Kelly and Mbappe. Then you put, uh, I think you put Kingsley, uh, Kingsley Coman on that side, and then in the center forward in Griezmann's position. I would probably say you maybe you. I'm not sure, honestly. Kind of depends on how this, uh, how the the formation is, but. But right now, I'm kind of looking at the bench, and I'm not entirely sure. But we'll have to wait and see. But I know that at least you, you definitely put in Kingsley Coman and starting. You probably put in uh, Marcus Duram. Unless you can put Giroud in, in the sole striker, and then you can put Marcus Duram in the center forward, and then you can put Kingsley Coman on the side where Kylian, in the position where Kylian Mbappe plays. So, so, you have, so you have basically Giroud, Dembele, Turam, and Kingsley Coman as the front attack. You got Chouameni and Kamavinga in the midfield. And as far as the defense goes, you definitely rest Tio Hernandez and, and Rafael Varane. So I think you put in Pavard and... Uh, you, you, okay, yeah, I think William, William Saliba and Ibrahima Konate, they should definitely get, get the start against Tunisia on defense. So as far as the fourth defender goes, I'm not entirely sure, but... Uh, I would probably I would probably say uh, maybe uh, Axel Disassi who plays from uh, Monaco for the league outside Monaco so so this is basically all just a, some suggestions as far as uh, 
for, as far as the game against Tunisia goes. So if anybody has any suggestions, you can definitely let me know on Twitter, and you can definitely also let me know uh, on the YouTube comments. And uh, for everybody wondering, you can find me on Twitter at BearmanOfTX. Once again, that's just BearmanOfTX, and TX you know stands for Texas. It's just like that. Once again, find me on Twitter at BearmanOfTX. You can tweet to me your suggestions for the starting lineup against Tunisia. You can message me. The DM's open. And of course, you can message, You can put on the YouTube comments. So I'm definitely curious to know what you guys uh, think. Uh, Josh, Mr. Josh McSwain, if you happen to be listening, I'm definitely interested in uh, hearing what your suggested lineup is for the game against Tunisia, my friend. So let's hear it, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Thank you very, very much for joining me today, and I will see y'all next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.